Hey folks, JD here. You're listening to the final episode of Season 2 of Strike the Match. Thank you for listening. In this episode, Season 2, Episode Number 10, Roland Allen Scholar Dr. Stephen Rutt and I continue our two-part conversation on Roland Allen. In the previous podcast, we discussed Allen's life. Now, we address his missiology. Thank you so much for listening to Strike the Match. If you've missed any of the previous recordings of this season or Season 1, take some time over the next few months to listen to them. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and share this podcast with others. So, with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Continuing the uh, conversation today uh, with uh, my guest, uh, Dr. Stephen Rutt. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to listen to our previous episode of Strike the Match, where uh, Dr. Rutt and I talk about uh, the biography of Roland Allen, I want to invite you to go back and check that out and get an opportunity to listen to some of the social and cultural and historical as well as theological factors that were uh, were swirling around Allen in his day and uh, influenced uh, his writing, which that just leads us into uh, this uh, second part of um, this conversation, and that is uh, to talk about Allen and, and his missiology. And so I know that many of you that are listening out there, uh, if you're familiar with any of Alan's writings, probably Missionary Methods, St. Paul's, or ours, and maybe the Spontaneous Expansion of the Church uh, are the two books that you're familiar with. I know that as I uh, have lectured on Alan in, in seminary context, that tends to be uh, the case, uh, and uh, I'm always surprised at, at how few people, how, how very few people are aware of Alan, though they've been experiencing uh, his influence for some time. And so I'm hoping that as uh, Steve and I continue this conversation that uh, you will begin to, to recognize uh, just the influence that this guy has uh, on on your life and ministry today, uh, wherever you may be serving, uh, and uh, and would take some time to, to maybe dig into some of his, uh, his, his writings and things of that nature. Uh, as I mentioned in the uh, previous episode, uh, Steve uh, is a is an Allen scholar and uh, has two books that are coming out, uh, hopefully in 2017 with Lutterworth Press. And so both of these are on uh, Roland Allen. So I want you to uh, keep an ear to the rail for those. So Steve, let's let's continue in our conversation. Um, you know, Allen was such a prolific uh, author. I mean, he he not only produced uh, several uh, books, but I mean, he he cranked out the articles as well. And I know that. That uh, you've you've read more of of, of Allen's uh, primary source material than than I have because you you you've dug around into a lot of his unpublished letters and uh, correspondence and things of that nature. So when it comes to his missiology, uh, it, can we boil it boil it down? Can we can we talk about maybe some some you know some common hooks that maybe we can hang our hat on so to speak? I mean because he because he wrote so much. I mean how do we get a grasp on what this guy was thinking about missions? Mm, yes. Well, as we've already discussed, uh, uh, pneumatology, uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, was central in his missiology, um, I ref- and, and ecclesiology, mm-hmm. his understanding of the church. So um, in the books that are getting published, I'm taking this, uh, these three words, uh, spirit and order. And uh, so in terms of 
uh, Alan's view, spirit precedes order. Uh, so sometimes uh, what I, what I, uh, if I, I'll just, I'll, I'll put it this way, that ideally um, it's a spirit-inspired ecclesiology is what Alan argues for. And I refer to that as his apostolic missionary ecclesiology, mm-hmm. right? So uh, to unpack that is um, spirit and order uh, is, is an ideal in his mind and in his writings. But he, uh, as we, with this new published work that's coming out from his unpublished, the Ministry of Expansion, the Priesthood of the Laity, um, in many ways, he argues for a spirit before order. And what I mean by that is that the Holy Spirit's at work in pioneer regions where there are no ordained clergy, mm-hmm. uh, and yet churches emerge. People are meeting in their homes. And so what do you do? And so it's a recognition of, first of all, that the Holy Spirit's at work uh, everywhere. And uh, like we ask, you know, with our children, my grandchildren, if I ask the question, uh, where is God, the answer is well, God is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not in everything, but God is everywhere. We're not pantheists, but God is everywhere. So in reference to the, the sovereignty of God and the imminence of God. So in Alan's uh, missiology, he, he has this understanding, and he argued for it that, okay, many times here's, and, and this is from the Church of England uh, uh, point of view right now, because he was an Anglican, and so he's arguing uh, against some of the... Um, Bishop Gore, and uh, there was a professor. Moberly. Uh, yes. And and so uh, many Anglican missionaries were taking these works and, uh, and, and uh, for good reason, and using them as um, tools sure. for ministry. But um, there, there came a point of, you know, like what happens with people all the time is you quite often uh, develop a system and then a custom, and then uh, God can't work. Uh, outside that custom. Mm-hmm. So, so Alan said, well, wait a minute. No, the, the Spirit of God is at work, so he has this, what I call spirit before order. And uh, um, now, you could read The Family Right, uh, which was the last unpublished thing that he wrote later in life, and you could come away with thinking that he's a con- possibly a congregationalist, mm-hmm. that he moved away from his Anglican roots. Um, and, and you, you really couldn't come to that conclusion. So I talked to Hubert Allen about this point. May I share this? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, because I, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with his writings. And, uh, so, uh, of course, uh, Hubert is an Anglican and, uh, and so. And, and for, for those that didn't catch the first, uh, episode, he, Hubert is actually the grandson of Roland Allen. Yes. And yeah, he's in his, uh, eighties, um, Mid '80s, a very energetic man, wonderful man, and uh, so we were. My wife and I've been to his home quite often, and so one day I just said, "Okay, um, what's the best way to understand Alan?" And uh, let's because in uh, in the Sydney Diocese of Anglicanism, they have what's called lay presidency, which uh, there's been a lot of reaction against that, and that is the fact that a lay person could actually. Um, preside over a Holy Communion service in a home uh, or in a setting if there's not any ordained clergy there, and they permitted that in the Sydney Diocese. It's it's a very it's a low church approach, very evangelical, um, and 
so there was a lot of reaction within Anglicanism against that, and others that said, no, that's a legitimate approach. And so uh, Hubert, taking that, Alan, uh, Hubert Allen said, well, okay, um, my grandfather would not in any way agree with the Sydney diocese because you've got ordained clergy within that diocese. Mm-hmm. Already um, the mature structures and organization in place. Exactly. He says, but in the outback of Australia, where there are no clergy, mm-hmm. then my grandfather would have no problem with that. So if you, if you can look at that as um, a good example uh, and and that's and that really is how Alan viewed things. That quite often the, the spirit of God is working um, outside of the organizational structure. A churches emerge, and that's legitimate. And it's legitimate for people to have holy communion. And Alan even argues that this is more than likely what happened in in the churches in Rome in the first century before the apostles got there. That there were already churches that had originated and. So you you, had, you can only assume that they were having Holy Communion and baptizing people, and then eventually uh, you have apostolic leaders that come in and organize it. So, so when Alan talks about, for example, the missionary that's out there in that pioneer zone, in the outback, in the uh, you know, in Alan's day, in you know, in in China, in different parts of of Africa or Asia, uh, what what is the understanding of the missionary? I mean, in his missiology. Because I mean, obviously the missionary is not, according to Alan, is not supposed to bring those structures and complex organizations of of Anglican culture back in back from Britain and apply them in the, you know the pioneer field. So, so what is the missionary supposed to be about? Now, are you talking about an Anglican missionary, or are you talking about missionaries in general? From from just from Alan's perspective, just what he would he would say. Yeah. Um, because on the one hand, uh, he saw these independent churches that were outside uh, the Anglican structure emerging, and he saw them as legitimate churches if they had the scriptures, right? They mm-hmm. had some kind of common creed. They right. had uh, their own ministers that they were viewed as ministers, and then they had the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is in his letters uh, to bishops. Um, let me give you a case in point that might be able to describe. Uh, to answer your question, uh, there was a, a, a bishop he wrote to in uh, Tanganyika, I think it was, and uh, and and Alan's writing to him. He says, "You know, you're Lord Bishop. You're very effective in what you do, but you're more. But Bishop, you are more of an apostle than you are a bishop." And what Alan meant by that was that you have a gifting to go to pioneer regions and immediately plant churches and mm-hmm. organize them quickly. And rather than being uh, restrained in one local area with all the minutia of, of ministry life and, and uh, details to deal with, you're much better to be just released to do apostolic work. Right. So, um, so in that, Alan uh, lived within the tension of uh, addressing bishops to be much more proactive, um, and also that in, in the African context, that um, because Alan was a committed Anglican, he he saw these independent churches emerging, and on the one hand, um, they they need to have some level of um, organizational structure that only uh, 
a bishop could bring or a presbyter, a, a priest could bring. So, um, so, so, so from so from Alan's perspective, and correct me if I'm if I'm misunderstanding. So, so the following kind of that pathway of of Paul uh, that that missionary band, missionary team, apostolic teams would would do evangelism. Uh, they would see churches planted out of the harvest. Uh, they would raise. They would work to raise up their own leadership from within and make sure that, as you mentioned, they would have the scriptures, creed, sacraments, and order uh, in place. Yes, and this this uh, understanding in his ecclesiology shaped uh, his thinking to then go back to St. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. So that God has given to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachings, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Right. So in Ephesians 4, uh, what Alan did, and uh, I make uh, in, in my writings, I, I refer to the, the, because Alan believed in the modern day apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now the church... Um, uh, Western Christianity quite often uh, diminishes the apostolic and the prophetic, mm-hmm. uh, and we emphasize the evangelist, pastors, and teachers. Um, Alan believed, and, and that that there were those that were called to be apostles, those called to be prophets, those called to be evangelists. So um, I refer to those three as the translocal authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to the resident authorities, uh, the pastor, teacher, uh, or the local bishops that uh, remain mm-hmm. in a diocesan center. So, so Alan, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Alan believed that the those that are gifted as that have the uh, function, of the office of uh, the apostolic. I'll refer to it as the apostolic because a lot of people have difficulty with modern day apostles, prophets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but from Alan's point of view, he didn't have a problem with that, and it's 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 it's. it's throughout his writings um, and in his letters. And as I referred to the one bishop that he called him, he said, you're more of an apostle than you are mm-hmm. a bishop. Um, he wasn't afraid to say that. So in Alan's mind, he saw that the apostle, the apostolic, the prophetic, and the evangelistic offices need to be translocal. They need to be freed up to do um, the traveling ministry, the missionary mm-hmm. journeys, going into pioneer regions, and then going back to those areas to uh, to equip, to encourage, to strengthen, um, and he and he sees precedent in the Book of Acts, especially mm-hmm. for so, that. So, so where in in that process and does this concept of retirement come into his missiology? What does he mean by that retirement? The missionaries to practice retirement. Yeah, that that's a gr- great question, JD. Um, he. He gets the ideas early on when he's in China. Um, he begins to wrestle with this in the in the teens, uh, not just teenagers, but the the nineteen oh five to 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 nineteen twenty that period of time. He begins to um, articulate this a little bit more. By the nineteen twenties, he's it's beginning to take much more. Uh, it's it's taking on, it's incarnating, it's it's coming in a flesh form, um, he begins to write on it more extensively. So by the time of the 1930s, he's pretty well developed in his understanding of what this actually means in terms of um, the apostolic ministry, 
apostolic ministers. Uh, again, the apostolic ministers, the apostolic prophetic, mm-hmm. evangelistic. Um, and he sees the need for uh, the order of the local churches and that the tr- what I call the translocal ministers don't really have the authority uh, to influence the local churches, which are already governed by their own presbyters, their mm-hmm. own ministers, and their own bishops uh, and deacons. And, uh, but they do still speak into the life of those churches based on invitation uh, uh, or sometimes with you know, Paul writing letters to them. Right. So Alan begins to develop this missiology. Um, I was actually talking to my students at Fuller Seminary about this last weekend, um, because this really does play into how we do ecclesiology today. And uh, I don't know if I answered your question. So, so the the retirement idea, if I understand oh, correctly, is. They're basically, uh, to use the expression, they're they're working themselves out of a out of out of a job, right? I mean, they're, they're yeah, phasing yeah, I'm sorry, themselves I didn't, out. I didn't get to that. Yeah, um, my very my uh, first missions professor I had uh, at Elam Bible Institute, he that's one of the things he would say to us frequently: you plant the church as a missionary, and then you work yourself out of a job. And uh, he ingrained that within us, mm-hmm. and uh, so that really is in Alan's mind. In fact, it came to the point that Alan would say as he's uh, mentoring students, uh, seminarian students, or mentoring people that are in the local churches already um, and dealing with the missionaries, the missionary is ready to go to another region. He says, first thing you need to do is when you get to the location, have a plan of retirement. Mm. When am I going to remove myself, my family from this setting and move to the next destination? Mm -hmm. So he sees that as integral to this missiology, and it w- it's not the notion of abandoning these new churches. I mean, he, he pointed back to Paul would go back and visit. He'd send back, you know, uh, you know, a Timothy, a Titus, a, you know, others. Uh, he would, you know, he would he'd write letters. So, so I know sometimes when people hear that, re- you know, retirement, they they think of they think of the, well, you know, just you, you leave them completely abandon them. But they, that wasn't the case. No, this was more of his uh, push not to be paternalistic. Yeah, uh, it, to have develop a, a dependency mentality uh, on the leader. It's always about empowering the leadership that's there, uh, and and probably the best way to look at it is uh, Alan uh, and Alan did use the uh, you know the, the understanding of like a father in the faith mm-hmm. um, or a grandfather figure. You're still connected, uh, but you're not in any way. Um, overseeing, uh, he, especially when he was in Africa, the latter years of his life, he was very careful not to do that. He didn't want anybody to be dependent on him as the local resident priest, mm-hmm. especially when he was preaching in uh, the cathedral in Nairobi. Right. I mean, I know, I remember reading in his writings, he, he talks about uh, missionaries uh, practicing the, the ministration of the Spirit, where they're basically teaching these new churches how, how to rely upon the spirit were, and, and obviously their their own own leaders. I know that in in Alan's time, and and even today, I still hear uh, people make the comment. Um, uh, you know, I, it's not expressed this way, but it, it, it's it basically uh, you know implies this concept of 
uh, this notion of retirement, this notion of phasing out, um, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what could happen. I'm afraid of what will potentially happen to these new churches. I'm afraid of what will, you know, what will come of these new believers and you know, false teaching and you know, all kinds of problems and schisms and things of that nature. You know, and, and Alan talked about the need for missionaries to, to manifest this missionary faith. Um, yes. You know that, that faith in the power of the you know the Holy Spirit uh, you know to do His work you know in in the churches that, that are there. So obviously he is known as you know the guy of spontaneous expansion. Um, what can, what can you tell us about this concept of spontaneous expansion? Well, he just believed that once a church is uh, fully equipped with the scriptures, a common creed the sacraments and the ministry that and he often used the word orders instead of the word ministry to talk yes. about their leaders right yes orders in uh, in anglicanism we we call that holy orders uh-huh. so the ordination of of a deacon you're ordained first as a deacon and then uh, as you're proven then so so let me push it on that just a little bit more because i know uh, that's a lot in a lot of church planting circles today church planting uh, movement conversations there there's always this concern about just seeing churches planted and, and not having their leadership, not having any pastors. Alan said, no, Apostle Paul left behind the orders, their, their leadership. Yes. Um, and, and, this, and then, of course, this uh, plays into the whole thing of, well, the problem on the mission field, as we can use that phrase, uh, was that, well, they, they need these young uh, ministers in the making need to go to seminary back in England or some other country. Mm-hmm. And Alan was opposed to that idea. No, they, they need to learn in the local church setting, and this is where a bishop can do the mentoring and do the training. So, um, uh, so go back. The that there had to be, uh, there always needed to be ordained leadership. From his, again, he didn't push this upon uh, various of uh, the young, what we call the in, in the majority world, the younger churches, mm-hmm. the newer churches. Um, he didn't push his own Anglican style, but he did believe it. Mm-hmm wholeheartedly, right. that there needs to be the laying on of hands uh, from a bishop on to the, the, the one that's being ordained. Mm-hmm. That that's, that is, he viewed that as apostolic order, uh, and we call that apostolic succession. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, he was a firm believer in that. So, so going back to, uh, before I interrupted you, uh, uh, on the concept of spontaneous expansion, uh, what, 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 is, what is that in Alan's missiology? Well, out of a church that is fully equipped with those four things, then it automatically, naturally, organically will be healthy. And if they're having, from his view, if they're having the Holy Communion frequently, they're being nurtured in the faith. They're being then energized by the Holy Spirit and empowered to go and to reach out within their community. And therefore, it would be the the spontaneous expansion of the church. The church then reproduces, and and so, that requires it requires those that have been a part of planting that church to manifest that that missionary faith. You know, to to let the spirit, you know, and you know the word and their leadership run with it, so to speak, as opposed to having to have all the the paternalism encompassing what what's going on. Right, and this again comes with his view of spirit and order. Um, that and quite often in his writings, he refers to the missionary spirit. So as we say in theology, the missio dei, that God is missional. You know, God so loved the world, he you know, sent his only begotten son, 
So the father sends the son, the son sends the father, son sends the spirit from mm-hmm. a Western Christian point of view. Uh, the spirit sends, that the spirit is a missionary spirit. And therefore, um, and that can work in conjunction with the order where, let's say, uh, a church planting pastor uh, or a team uh, agree to go to a, the, the other side of the city and plant another church. Well, it would be the, the leadership team or the, the pastor that's being sent plants the church. Mm-hmm. So you still have the order that's there. That's apostolic order, according to Alan. And then it's just, but in many cases, it could be that this, they, the leadership recognizes the Spirit of God's already at work uh, amongst some people. And so you then, you know, the church then sends the leadership to that area to then equip those people that are already gathering. I know that uh, many of you are listening to this podcast, and a lot of the things that um, Dr. Rutt and I are talking about now, you're, you're probably thinking, uh, you know, tell me something new. I mean, that, yeah, that's common knowledge. That's what we practice today. That's what we, um, you know, that's what my mission organization, that's what my church is about. I mean, you're not, you're not saying anything that's really, you know, cutting edge or innovative. Um, how, how would you respond to that, Steve, when people say well, everything you're talking about, well, yeah, that's, that's common sense. And I would say that's due to the influence of Roland Allen. That's because 100, 100 years ago, the church in Western Christianity didn't think totally this way. The, getting back to the statement that um, Hubert Allen asked his grandfather, his grandfather, uh, when he was 12, um, do you think I can read these books of yours? And uh, yeah, Hubert, you can read them, but you won't understand them. In fact, nobody will understand them until I've been dead 10 years. Uh, that was rather a prophetic statement. And I, I argue this in my dissertation, too, that because it was right around 10 years later that that Bible colleges— That's right began to take a hold of Roland Allen's works, uh, and David Payton put some of his writings out, published some things. So by the 1960s, and uh, as my bishop said, um, when he was young, he said it was back in that in the 19, uh, late 50s and 60s that these Bible colleges across the country and seminaries were beginning to read Allen mm-hmm. uh, and understand it and going with it. So 100 years ago, this was not the case. He, uh, Alan was pretty much a pioneer in this field. Not that people weren't doing this, but it was not common as it is today. Mm-hmm. So I, I argue that Roland Allen had a lot of, and I, I think you see it the same way, J.D., Roland Allen had a lot of influence and in things behind the scenes. He doesn't always get the recognition for it, uh, but uh, <laughs> when you do a comparison, you see the difference. Mm, very much Especially so. with the growth of Christianity in the majority world, Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Mm-hmm. These are things that Alan talked about that was new ideas. Yeah. Well, brother, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this conversation, our previous episode uh, conversation uh, as well. Uh, my my guest uh, today on this uh, episode of Strike the Match uh, has been Dr. Steve Rutt. He is uh, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Arizona Christian University and Adjunct Professor of Intercultural Studies at Fuller Theological Seminary. He is also a priest in the Reformed Episcopal Church, uh, and uh, very much an evangelical Anglican in in that tradition uh, as well. Uh, Dr. Rutt, if uh, people want to get in touch with you, what's the the best way to do that? 
Uh, they can email me would be the best way. I check my emails daily. So um, uh, it would be Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N dot R-U-T-T at, and then Arizona Christian, that's the university. So Stephen dot Rutt at Arizona Christian dot E-D-U. That would be the best way to get a hold of me. Very good. And uh, we look forward to uh, getting... Uh, uh, copies of your uh, work uh, from Letterworth Press, uh, two volumes coming out uh, on your research that you've done on, on Roland Allen. So those of you that are listening to this, make sure you get uh, copies uh, of, of his books on that topic. Uh, brother, it's been great talking with you today, uh, and uh, I hope that it's also been a blessing to you as well. It has. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpayne.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.